Welcome to the Remote Nomad Podcast. This is your weekly escape from the nine to five grind. Every week we interview industry experts from around the globe on remote work, landing a remote job, the digital nomad lifestyle, and mastering your mindset. Prepare to be inspired as you learn how to create a lifestyle with more freedom and flexibility. I'm your host and remote career coach, Kate Smith. Before we dive into today's episode, if you've been struggling with creating a resume for remote jobs, then make sure you download the free remote resume checklist. It's going to show you how to create a top tier resume so you can transform it into an interview generating machine. See the link in the show notes to download this free offer or head over to the remotenomad.com slash free gift. Today's guest is on a mission to remove geographical borders by creating a global home country on the internet. And yes, you heard that right. He is the co-founder and CEO of Safety Wing, which is one of the most popular insurance providers for remote workers and remote teams. To date, the company has raised over $8 million and has served over 60,000 clients and growing. And now he's on a mission to build a global home country on the internet and global social safety net. I'm excited excited to introduce you to today's guest, Sandre Rash. Sandre, welcome, and thank you for being here today. Great to be here, Kate. I'm really excited to dive into this whole concept of this country on the internet and even what you mean with this whole global social safety net. So much has changed with remote work, the future of work, the future of how we operate, and I guess you could say uh, borders being dissolved. So why mm. don't you share with us? Um, I want to just like dive right into it and have you share with us what you mean when you say creating a global home country on the internet and with this whole global social safety net. So for people that aren't familiar, what does all of this mean? Are they two separate things? Do they work in tandem? What do they look like? Yes. Yeah, so global social safety net is the first thing. And then it's like, who are we building that for? Well, it's for remote workers and digital nomads worldwide. But we also imagine that it will be for the first country on the internet that we want to contribute in bringing about. And, and what do we mean by each? Well, a global social safety net, that's, that's the thing that you know many countries have. We come from Norway, we're modeling it in a sense of the Norwegian style social safety net, but making that available for everyone everywhere. And you know, globally, digitally on, on the internet. And then the country, well, it's like, there you gotta ask the question, like, what is a country? Well, it's a community that solves problems for its members, shared problems, maybe even public good problems in particular. And there is, because of the internet, because we're living in this global society on the internet to a large degree already, uh, many things that isn't being properly addressed by geographical countries. And some of those things are best done by global entities, uh, and, uh, not things that are uh, geographically divided up. And, and that's, you know, the project uh, Plumia that we started is to figure out what are those issues that are best solved by an internet country instead of a geographical country and how might we do them. So what are some examples of some of the things that would be included in that? Well, the two things we are pretty sure about is, uh, well, the global social safety net being one. And then the other is probably uh, passport, digital and analog identity. Um, so there is already this need to have a proper identity on the internet and to, 
to you know cross geographical borders as you walk around planet Earth, and uh, and and those two things you know should be the same thing, and it should be you know well functioning. And we we uh, many people live in countries where the passport is not very useful. Uh, of course, some listeners here live in countries where the passport it's just a practicality to travel to any country but there is like a significant actually the majority of countries you know you travel that means you go into this arduous visa process and the answer is often no um so the possibility that you know you can develop this people can have a secondary passport that in addition to their geographical passport that allow that is potentially much more uh powerful and easy to use when traveling that will certainly be part of it this is really exciting because this is a whole new idea. We have passports. Estonia had their e-residency, but it's still it's very tied to Estonia as a whole, where this is looking at the world and introducing a whole new thing. How do you foresee this panning out? You know, obviously there are countries, they have their passports. How do you foresee this panning out when we think of, you know, taxes and travel and and dealing with other countries? Are other countries going to be on board or okay with this? What is how is that kind of how do you see that panning out? Well, so I, I do think that this we are trying to solve a problem that is kind of already happening, but that countries aren't fully aware of is happening. Uh and that is certainly happening to a big, big extent in the near future, which is that which is that thing where we started the conversation, which is that in many practical senses, there is no borders, right? When you buy services on the internet, when we talk now, I don't even know where you are. Like we, we just, we didn't, well, you may, I mentioned it was California actually, but it's like, we don't, we don't have to, you could be anywhere and, and we can collaborate and we could work together and, you know, we could buy ourselves services on the internet and, and the thing is, that's all things that are very relevant for a country to, to deal with. So, and then you, you get into problems, which is this obsoleteness of countries, you know, and we, this is easy to see in the social safety net department, you know, I'm a, from Norway, great social safety net in Norway. When I'm abroad, no social safety net. Like that's, that's, that's the facts. And then the other thing is, um, you know, we're a remote company, you know, uh, we have, you know, what, 50, 60 employees, 40 different countries. Uh, That company is technically, we have entities some different places, technically in the US, are the people in the other 39 countries, they're getting no services from the US, obviously, right? So that's, that's the practicalities of what we're talking about. It just isn't practical. And, um, and, uh, and, and so what you see digital nomads do is you know they go abroad depending on what the rules are in the home country they're they're trying to figure out the taxes it's a mess uh they generally they, they it's it often becomes this like bordering up on voluntary it's like do they want to um and with com- internet companies you see the same where it's like they can be registered somewhere. They can move where they're registered. It doesn't really matter. You know, it's like they can switch where they have their servers. Is that where they are? Uh, so for these two issues, like internet companies and digital nomads, which is just the early phase of what we're seeing, uh, we there is already this 
loosening up the relationship between them and their home country. And uh, I think we're heading into, we are, for, for those, we are a bit in Wild West territory, but we're heading into a much more Wild West territory soon. So you can imagine, I can definitely see it being possible on the horizon that a respectable company might like register on the blockchain or something. And a lot of people think that is like all good because, and, and I can see many benefits to it. But by that point, the, the, the sort of tax ability of countries really evaporates. So I think, you know, the country and the internet, what we're building, we're, we're the peace offering. We're like, this is the peace solution. This is sort of like, yes, we need to make structures that work in the future, but we want to do that in a way where like, this isn't like a catastrophe. Um, and, uh, and indeed, I think a country on the internet can then negotiate and have a friendly relationship with geographical countries so that you can figure out those things like taxation when for digital nomads who move through those countries while at the same time making access and living there easy and relatively low cost. And I think that's a good, that's a good negotiated agreement. Yeah, this is so exciting. It, you know, when you mentioned the blockchain, I think of that as well in crypto and how that's moving things forward. And then you have what you're saying with this country on the internet, which is again, bringing those identities online and, and, and whatnot. Do you feel is, is the goal? I know there's this, the, the, the social safety net side of things. How is this going to impact the world like when we look at okay is it leveling the playing field so you have developing countries that can now compete with developed countries what is this how is this going to change literally the world yeah i mean what i think is about to, to unfold and certainly will as uh, if we succeed with our mission which i do think we will and is essentially that a lot of young people these days they grew up and yes, like, you know, I just talked to Ines and I was the general manager for Nomad Insurance and, and Safe Doing. And you know, when you hear her story kind of like being from Algeria, but having this very international background, but she, you know, in some ways she's so alike to me, even though she has this in theory, very different background. And why? <laughs> it's because we are both children of the internet, right? So we, in a way, we have a shared reference that is actually very big. And, you know, my grandparents and her grandparents are probably very different, but we are not that different. So, and that's sort of one thing I, I, I think is happening is that the, the generation growing up is growing up on the internet and the internet is almost like this big city or, or something like that, where everything is connected to everything else. And yeah, uh, it, it does equalize opportunities to a massive degree. And, and, and that is, you know, the mission statement of safety. And we want to, you know, contribute to equal opportunity and freedom for everyone because there is, the internet is equalizing opportunity by giving more job opportunities. Like if you grow up in a, in a developing country, you can get a job on the internet, which is much better paid. Okay, that's a straightforward one. Or you can have an international audience for your YouTube channel or, or something, but you still don't have equal opportunity when it comes to the social safety net. And that's what we hope to, to equalize. And freedom, well, that's freedom to move, right? It's also freedom when you have the social secure, that you have that safety to fall back on. There's also the positive freedom that comes for that of like not having to be concerned with your basic needs. Um, 
so that's what we want to make it. We want to make it a, a great uh, equalizer that allows people who otherwise would have few opportunities to have much more and much more freedom as well. This is huge. And and so what inspired this? This is a big undertaking. What is it just seeing the model again in, in Norway and saying, oh, this should be everywhere? What inspired it? Well, I think, uh, um, you know, it is probably relevant that, you know, as, you know, teenager, I was, I was growing up on the internet in the early internet days and I worked with on using like IRC and cooperated on website projects with people from young people from different countries. So I, I have been living and many other people as well, have been living in this world for a long time. And, um, and then, you know, came this thing where, you know, I worked as a policy advisor for the government of Norway. So I knew about how to make a social safety net. But secondly, I, my previous company was a freelancer platform called Superside, and we wanted to provide benefits for the freelancers like health insurance and income protection. And then we discovered that that didn't exist. And that was like the, the aha moment where it was like, oh, because I, we had to figure out what, like, why didn't it exist? Well, it's because we can technically buy it, but in one country. Um, and that is in this very old fashioned way. Like we, we thought, we hoped we could buy this global thing where it was like bought an API and it was flexible, like a modern product, but that just didn't exist. And then of course, when you look into that, you start to see that, oh, this is like, why doesn't it exist? It's because all this infrastructure is built around the entire economy being local, national, um, and it has to be remade. So, so that was sort of like the problem discovery moment was just having the problem myself. And of course, I'm also digital nomad. So I had, I had the problem as an individual and it's a remote company. So I, I had the problems myself, saw them up close and I understood why we couldn't. And then because I had some idea about how to build it, uh, we, after a year of trying to get someone else to start this company, we figured out actually, I don't think anyone else is going to do this. So we have to do it ourselves. Uh, that's awesome. And, and I love, you know, for, especially for the digital nomads, we've always operated in such a gray area. And with this, it, it puts into black and white, sort of like how you can approach it. And we have these complex challenges, like you say, with remote teams, remote workers, you can be registered in a company doesn't mean you're based there. And how does that all look? And it seems like this brings that all together. How mm. far along in the process are you with getting this you know, not, not just started, but how far along are you in this process of making this our next reality? Yeah. So currently where we're at, we started with uh, no nomad insurance. And I should say when we first started out, we had broadly the exact same ideas we still have, like three years ago, we had the same idea about what we needed to build. And we understood like we do in this conversation that this is a big undertaking. And so how are we going to split it up? And the decision that we made was we'll make like one product at a time and each of them has to work on their own. And while doing that, we'll kind of learn and then we'll kind of sew together to a cohesive membership at the end. That was sort of our, our way of approaching that. And then this, like the decision on where to start ended up at Nomad Insurance because there was already this infrastructure in place for travel medical. 
uh, that was global, where we saw here we can use a lot of the infrastructure to make the Nomad product, uh, which was, of course, a segment we knew very well and which is an early adopter. It's like an innovator segment as well. A lot of the things that Digital Nomad does, everyone else does later. Um, so it made sense to start there. And so we started in 2018 with, with Nomad Insurance and, and that's been going really well. And then we worked on the health, the health insurance. Meanwhile, which was done last March, uh, where we had this full health insurance and also for teams. And then the next on the, on the roadmap is for this year, we have remote doctor and also, uh, which is more like just, that's a supplement to nomad insurance and remote health. It's just the possibility to talk to a doctor remotely, like virtually as well, anywhere in the world and get prescriptions and referrals and that. Uh, because that's developed in some countries, but not all. That's, yeah, anyway. And then the next is retirement, hopefully ready by end of the year or, or Q1 next year. So the possibility for an individual or remote worker to save for retirement, even if they move to different countries, keep saving to the same plan, or if they move employers. So yeah, so that's that. And then comes income protection um, after that, and then the membership. But snapshot today is, you know, we, we have nomad insurance and remote health, you know, ready. And as I mentioned, like 60,000 people using this and, 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 and that's um, has been met with uh, great positivity. We have started this project Plumia, uh, which is not the country and the internet itself, but it's like, we've started this project to re research, develop how we want to do this, uh, how we want to make the passport what is the structure of a country on the internet? And, you know, there is just gathered a bunch of volunteers actually who uh, want who want to see this come to be. Um, you know, it's a very charismatic idea and uh, we have some incredible smart people, you know, working and meeting weekly to, to, to create that. So that's sort of where we are with the, with the passport is that we're in the R and D phase. And okay. it will take a bit to to before we have a live passport. I think like at least a year or two, or three. And and what is it? What was the the name of the volunteers? Is this the platform you're building it on, or kind of like understanding the logistics of how it ties together? What was that called again? Oh, Plumium. Plumium. Plumia. Okay, Plumia. Uh, Plumia. Yes. Yeah. So okay. Plumia is the initiative we took to just say like, it, we realized that it was useful to say publicly like, hey everyone, we're, we're gonna work on this. And that was indeed useful because that meant that we sort of could, you know, you know, it's like turning on a lighthouse and it would like people be like, oh, so that's one place we can go for doing that. And, um, and that has worked out that way. So we have been able to gather just incredibly smart people to, to help bring this about. Awesome. So I can kind of see based on what you're saying, how all of these pieces start to pull together, then you have the retirement and then it kind of goes into this big system, which it seems like you're working on now of, okay, how do all these pieces work together? And to hear mm -hmm. you say in just a couple of years, having this, you know, this passport, this virtual digital passport of sorts, um, is really exciting because that's not far off in the future. Um, mm -hmm. so 
Okay. So we've talked about, um, we've talked about this country on the internet, this global social safety. And, and I think that I can see that being, you know, really good, not just for, you know, you have the aspect of developing countries, but then digital nomads as well. And there's that gray area and really helping with that. Um, so let's shift into this idea of remote work. So I know you've obviously have this digital nomad lifestyle. You have remote companies, you've started remote companies, you've worked remotely. Um, we've seen in this last year and a half with a the pandemic, there's been this huge increase in remote work, which has been exciting. It's helped accelerate everything. So what do you think, you know, just based on everything that's happened you know, this past year and what's coming up and, you know, the big ambitions that you have as well. Um, what do you see um, for the future of work and for the digital nomad lifestyle, what that looks like? And, and I know we've talked a bit about, you know, what you're creating and how that impacts the digital nomad lifestyle. How do you see, you know, the future of work evolving um, as, as we move forward? Yeah, I mean, there are some different threads here, but I could say a couple that I find particularly interesting these days. Uh, so I would broadly bring up two. One is the sort of the new population distribution that we're seeing uh, happening. And this is fascinating and, and I really do love it. So there is this, um, you know, a great example here is the Umaya project in Belize, but there are several others like that, which is digital nomad uh, or remote work villages or hamlets. And, um, and so what you see with, as remote work is going more mainstream is that people are starting to realize, wait, we can move and people move according to their preference, which is seeing like this absolutely boost in certain towns that some people prefer more than the big cities. You know, you see the beach towns like Tulum absolutely explode. You also see them as some mountain towns like Tahoe absolutely explode um, or, or Bansko um, and uh, in Bulgaria. And then, but here there's like so much more that's about to happen, you know, so we can definitely see the possibility of more specialized villages being built and created and and there is this possibility now where you know if people are awake where there will be this resettlement period it's kind of like when the car was invented right and suburbia started existing well what does it mean when people can live anywhere because most people live in the city they're at because that's where their job is so if they can move and they don't have to be concerned for their job except like within a very broad range you know with not you know 10 time zones or something like that you know maybe that's that well uh, that opens up a lot of opportunities and you know I think we will see online communities or friend groups or net other networks build towns and cities and you know certainly you know one crazy idea that we have been dreaming about in safe doing since the beginning is, you know, we would love to create, um, you know, get one of these cat, there's Europe has full of these decaying castles, which are in these enormous park or forest properties. And it's, they're so beautiful and nobody else wants them. And so we've been thinking like, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could like have like a, 
an HQ in one of these castles where, and then we could build like a little town uh, around it, remote work town. Anyway, this is like a far out, uh, a cute, cute idea, but it illustrates what's possible. And so that's one thing, population distribution, opening up for new uh, towns and, and a, re, uh, a big resettlement where people will move according to their, like their like network preferences, their friends, families, how they want to live instead of where their job is. And so that's number one, that's like maybe the most interesting one. And it's a big effect. It's some, something that affects people's lives very directly. And then uh, the other one I would say is this, the emergence of the remote company or virtual company that is good. So one thing that we notice very much at Safe Doing is, you know, I mentioned we're, you know, 50, 60 people from 40 different countries. So when you have a, a company that spans that many places, you do need to build a bit more of a shared platform within the company, you know, because you can remember like a regular company that exists in one particular town. Like if you're in a company in, you know, New York, you, you everyone who works in the company are New Yorkers, right? And, and everyone who they work in that, that set of norms and rules and language and everything. But if you're from 40 different countries, you have to build a shared kind of cultural platform. And so I think the remote companies that will succeed the most will do this really, really well. And that will be very interesting to see what will come out of that. But this need to, for um, sort of moral communities and, and shared uh, frameworks to, to make communication and collaboration seamless uh, is, is much larger in these uh, organizations than previously. Absolutely. And what does that look like for your companies and at Safety Wing? How do you manage that many people across the globe? Uh, well, I mean, for us, the primary, we're fortunate in the sense that, you know, there is this like old adage, I once heard that if you want peace in a relationship, you know, you make sure you want the same thing, that you have the same goal. And, and that is certainly true and something we spend a lot of effort on. People who join Safe Doing usually want to bring this vision we've been talking about. They want to bring that about. And that is just, there's nothing that unifies like, you know, being allies with a shared goal. You know, that's just, that creates uh shared interests in a way that nothing else can and then of course we, i think we probably emphasize this you know our shared values much more and they have to go one step deeper i think also um and and you know for us you know we have these three cultural values which is you know people make mistakes and that's okay improvements are always possible and all problems are solvable and you know we've built this basic about how to treat people uh, into the, the company. And we make this FAQ about how to apply that in different situations. And, uh, and that has succeeded to a great degree. I mean, it is actually a lovely place to work. And in some ways it feels more cohesive than, than a regular company. Um, so it is possible. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. And when I became 
you know, a digital nomad years back, I remembered that I was meeting people from around the world, but we all just bonded so quickly and easily because we had this shared goal, shared vision of what the future of work was and this, this value of working remotely and, and what that meant for us. And so it's so great and interesting to see how so many global people can come together with that shared goal, with that shared mission. Um, mm-hmm. And and as you said, this is really literally changing the world in every way when we have people leaving cities and people are changing what their lifestyle looks like. And it's really shifting that, um, you know, you talked about freedom, right? That freedom of choice of, am I going to go to a castle? Am I going to go, you know, on the mountains or the beachside and having that, that flexibility? And it's, it's, it's been exciting in the sense to see, you know, I know COVID has kind of accelerated a lot of things, but this sweeping shift across the world, not just country by country, but, you know, the whole world's been impacted by this. So right now I know, you know, I'm just outside of Toronto at the moment and we've, I've even seen it myself. People are leaving the cities. They're going to the suburbs, all of that. Um, And it's been a bit interesting because we have people working remotely for the first time from home during the pandemic. Um, And as you know, working from home during a pandemic is very different than the digital nomad lifestyle of just grabbing your laptop, traveling around the world. So what... What have you seen or, you know, what's your, your take on, you know, some of the challenges that these new, you know, remote workers are facing when we talk about, you know, even if we look at mental health, stress, productivity, um, what have you seen has been the challenges, you know, with COVID, but then how is that going to change once we, you know, kind of exit this uh, pandemic? Well, we've seen a lot of people go through the same learning curve that everyone who starts to work remotely does, which is that they, you know, everyone gets the first benefit for free, which is, you know, no commute. And then they like, typically like working from home right away, but they haven't learned um, typically self-management and they haven't built like there's like a lot of them did their social life associated with work. Now they have to find somewhere else to do that of course uh, uh, and then when they did when they were able to set up like the great home office they were able to realize that oh I can actually meet my neighbors and friends then they did love it more but it took a while like for people to just work it out and and then of course you had the people who really took advantage of the possibilities of remote work which would be the people who moved the, the mentioned one you know we had you know I couple of friends moved to Montana one of the couple moved to this bought this lake house someone else moved to Tulum uh, and they're all like at, for them for the people who took advantage to to make the lifestyle choice that the remote work afforded them they're like well if it's back to office for my job that means I quit my job that like all of them have that opinion because the lifestyle change they've made they realized it's like worth a tremendous amount to them. And some other people have moved, you know, close to family as well. That's another, like people have different preferences for what they, what that freedom affords them. Um, but uh, yes, so that's, but nevertheless, back to like the early transition, what is the challenges? Well, yeah, uh, self-management, uh, you know, creating your own office space or working environment. Uh, three, uh, social life, friends and neighbors, like outside of work, 
just because your your colleagues are going to be far away. Uh, so uh, th those are a couple of big ones. And then when it comes to you know mental health, and this is now a bit hard to disentangle from from COVID because I think remote work outside of COVID is like super beneficial also for mental health, but with COVID that also meant often sitting inside and, and, and having a limited social life, which is known to be detrimental to mental health to, to a big extent. Um, I, it has been so great to see in San Francisco, how many people have started to go for like hikes and walks on the beach a lot. Like the number of like windsurfers down on Crystal beach is, is just gone from like seven to like, 300 it's <laughs> bizarre so a lot of people have started out outdoor activities during covid and which is you know so good for them and you know and, and i've done so as well um but uh other things so, so so yeah so that's you know building that outdoor habit finding the the social uh, is circle is two other two things and then it's the like um Finding like, you know, we say a lot of this is like Silicon Valley fads, but it's it's true. You know, finding a co contemplative practice like increasing meditation and other things like that has been seen tremendous growth in that. And uh, and also a lot of people are using coaches more, you know, in Safe Doing, we have this personal development budget that can be used for coaches, extremely popular. And of course, a coach can very easily be had remotely. That's that transfers extremely easily to remote, it's just as good. Um, so yeah, so uh, I would say that's that's a good uh, toolkit for great uh, uh, mental health. Uh, get outside, get good friends, sign up for a coach and, uh, and make use of the freedom that remote work affords you. Yeah, I think that's a really great point in that, you know, when people are so new to it and they're thrown into this working from home, their mind is sort of work from home, that's it. And they're not very intentional about what that looks like because they've kind of been thrown into it. And so I think you shared some really great tips and points of, you know, being intentional. You said, you know, you know, some people that intentionally went, moved to Tulum or, you know, by the lake and, and really recognizing, wait, there's a lot of opportunity here. And, you know, as much as, you know, with the pandemic and the stress that that causes um, and has caused um, and, and has impacted people in their mental health, I think as the pandemic ends and we see people where it's like, okay, they get to really be intentional with their social circle, you know, being able to go and work from places where they want to and create a lifestyle where it's not just like your life revolves around work, but really finally yeah. creating that ideal lifestyle. And I, I kind of imagine that, you know, not only will mental health improve, it will like significantly improve when we look at the baseline of the standard nine to five and what people have been operating at. Um, mm. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I like what you mentioned with meditation and all of those things that can just really support you, you know, as a remote worker and just really being intentional with it and, and what you're doing with, you know, making it work for you in, in, a, in, in a way that works best for you. So mm on the topic of, um, on health. So safety wing, you are like, congratulations, by the way, because I know you've been a growing company over the years. I remember when you first came out, you're now one of the most popular insurance providers for remote workers teams. Um, you have nomad insurance, which is the travel and medical for digital mm -hmm. nomads, the remote health insurance, which is the full on mm -hmm. health insurance. Um, mm -hmm. 
So there's a few things I want to dive into here. So um, first of all, just for the newbies out there, this is going to be really basic for you. Can you explain the difference between travel insurance and health insurance for people? Yeah. So nomad insurance, the, the, the situation where you buy that is you're going abroad. You want to have insurance, but there are like two kinds of insurances you kind of want. You want the medical part. And you want what is probably known as a travel part, which includes a few different things. It's like if things get stolen, it's it's like liability if you like injure someone because you're outside the structures like of your home country. So it's like this collection of of insurances that you know covers all kinds of things when you're abroad. So and that pack that costs uh, that's monthly subscription that costs uh, forty dollars a month outside the U.S. and you can kind of start it when you go out and and pause it whenever and and that's it and um and then remote health the health insurance so uh nomad insurance has a few exclusions it's a lightweight medical product uh in in that it it is not cover pre-existing conditions that's the big one so it only covers anything like if you have an ongoing treatment program for example when you get nomad insurance you can't use nomad insurance to like continue the treatment program it only covers things that start after you start the insurance, if that makes sense. And but and that difference between covering pre changes the price a lot. Uh, so remote health is more like a fully fledged health insurance, the kind of thing that you would have like as a benefit in a big company. That's like how it was made. Uh, so it costs more. It costs between like you know um, eighty to one hundred and. 50 depending on, on things and you can also add in some add-ons like um, dental and maternity and some things so that can be bought as an individuals but most commonly what that is bought for teams so remote health that uh, makes it possible for a startup or a company to get benefits and offer the same package where they have a dashboard then they can add like oh i have this employee here in in Italy and have this other one in Argentina and they get on the same plan and they can also move. So it's a borderless health insurance, uh, which makes it you know, more attractive for, for a remote worker because that means that if they go for a long trip abroad, they can just keep the same insurance and have that safety and, and uh, you know, stability. I can imagine this is huge, even for, um, you know, a lot of Americans. I know when they were traveling, they had to have their, their health. It's also confusing, especially when you're traveling. And like you said, with, um, with safety wing, it just puts it all together. And, you know, you don't have to worry about, um, employees from different countries, just simplifies it all. Let's also talk about, because I think this is really important. I see a lot of people, not, not a lot, but there's, there's a good amount of people that will travel without travel insurance and they they take that risk but that's a huge huge risk to take i'm a huge advocate always get travel insurance so let's talk about just how important it is to have that travel insurance especially when you're traveling around yeah and this i can totally relate to because you know i mentioned that i was you know i needed this myself so i was a nomad and i i was actually one of those people uh, I would have travel insurance, but I would let it time out because it only worked for like up to four to five days for the one particular one I had. So I would typically go home and restart it. That was kind of how I got my insurance, which is not ideal, but that was kind of what I knew about. 
uh, what was available at the time. And, and I did have this situation where I went to, had to go to a clinic in the US for a tiny thing. And it was just like, I just took some tests and then came the bill back. And I was like, oh my goodness, uh, I'm so broke. And, uh, and that, was, um, that was a real awakener. And it could have been so much worse as well, I realized, because I only took some tests, but it turns out like super expensive. Um, and I had a friend who had a different kind of thing, which was that in his rental car, he came to a crossing and this bicyclist came across and he sort of hit the wheel of the bicyclist. And that was a liability thing. So, and the point is when you're abroad, you don't, these things can happen. And, you know, you can, and my plan was, oh, if I get ill, I'm just going to go home. That's not an option. I realized as I was like having this chest pain, which was the thing. And I was like, what, I'm going to fly home now, like book a ticket with this chest pain. <laughs> like that's, like, that's not the situation. I need to go to a clinic right now. Like this is the situation. I need to go to a hospital, uh, which was of course so short-sighted of me. But, um, you know, the, to, to be covered so that you're not like, in severe health risk or super broke or worse, you know, you instead have uh, no money insurance, which is travel medical, which takes away that. And it also takes away that risk because it is a risk and it is a worry. And uh, by taking away that worry, you, you can, I think, live a more relaxed life. So um, I certainly have noticed that with me. So, so yeah, um, that's, that's the reason to, to, it's like a gift to your future self when you need it the most. <laughs> yeah. And these things just, they're not planned, right? No one plans to have an accident or whatever it is. And you mentioned a good point about America in that, you know, countries are so different in terms of how they operate in terms of prices. So America is obviously very expensive where somewhere else may be more affordable, but then you also have countries where they're not going to touch you or even help you until something's paid. Whereas, you know, like I know in Canada, we'll get taken care of. It's, it's all good. But when you're abroad, it's a different story. It's like no money in hand before anyone touches you. And it's so mm -hmm. different. And so to have that protection, at least knowing, okay, no matter what, no matter how these countries operate, I know I'll be okay. And like you said, once you're in a situation, you're not always in, you know, in a state where you can just fly home, especially if you have, you know, some sort of accident. And again, mm -hmm. you know, I, th I think of what comes to mind is Bali. So I lived there for a bit and there was so many scooter accidents and people mm -hmm. just, you know, not having the right coverage for that and no one expects it. And it happens all the time. And it just, you know, there's so, there's so many ways that that those situations could have been mitigated and not, you know, not so intense or expensive or stressful. Um, so yes, definitely very, very important. So upcoming, so we've talked about insurance, but you also have some really exciting things that I noticed as well. You now have COVID-19 coverage and you also have what you touched on before remote doctor, which is coming soon too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. So the, the COVID-19 coverage that was actually, so we updated that during COVID and we're still actually one of the few providers that covers both quarantines and also COVID itself. This seems strange, but you might find that like most travel, travel medical, they have an exclusion for that. 
So we updated the policy that was back in last August, and that has you know helped us grow a tremendous amount. I should should add, because of course this is like one of the main considerations people have. Uh, so yeah, so we we added in COVID nineteen coverage in August, and then you know last month we also added in this quarantine coverage in particular, which is that sometimes you're mandated to do quarantine at a hotel, and it would sort of cover that um, quarantine. So so that's. That's, um, yeah, that's just keeping the insurance updated for what's relevant. No, that's incredible. I I think that the way that you're doing things is so just, it's so innovative and cutting edge. And you think of, you think of insurance companies as these very old school, traditional models, but you're doing it in such a new way. And really, you know, again, with the COVID, a lot of insurance companies are sort of, I don't want to be, you know, liable or responsible for anything. And you're really just like embracing these changes and adapting so quickly to have that offered, you know, throughout the pandemic is incredible. Um, so if people want to sign up for safety wing for travel medical, is it, is it just as simple as going to the site, filling out some information? What's, what's the process like for people to join? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's ridiculously easy. You can go, you go to the website and sign up and then it's, the insurance is live and it takes, you know, two to five minutes, depending on fast you write. And, um, and you can do that before you go or like on the way or when you're abroad. Um, so it's, that's really flexible. Awesome. Um, and Sandra, so just as we wrap up, where can everybody find more information about you, Safety Wing, what's the best place for people to go? So I, you know, go to uh, safetywing.com for sure to check out the website. Uh, we also have, you know, some cool tools that we really would encourage listeners of this podcast to check out. We have a borderless, you can find it on the tools, borderless.safetywing.com, which shows all the like travel restrictions and, you know, vaccine information in every country in an up-to-date way. We have this team who kind of researches and updates everything. Uh, several times a week, which is great. We have buildingremotely.com, which is like a podcast and a tool for people who want to build remote uh, companies, which I'm sure also some people listening to this podcast might consider. Amazing. Awesome. So I'll link to all of that below. Sandra, it has been so exciting chatting with you today and just really hearing how you're, you know, driving this huge change and transformation in terms of the future of work and, you know, having this country on the internet, this global, you know, social safety net. This is really transforming so, so many things across the world. And I'm so excited to see this all pan out. And, you know, I I can see that you're very fast moving with a lot of things. So I'm excited to see this, you know, the passport come out in a few years and just see everything that um, pans out. And I just really thank you for coming on today and sharing that with our listeners. Thank you, Kate. It's been a great conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks, Andre. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Remote Nomad Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other streaming services so you don't miss an episode. Share this episode with a friend so they too can learn how to create more freedom. And show your support by leaving us a review so we can reach even more people who are passionate about the remote work movement. In the meantime, you can find me over on Instagram at The Remote Nomad, where I share more tips and insights into landing a remote job. That's it for today. I'm your host and remote career coach, Kate Smith. Thanks for listening.